have been journeying through an awesome series called Countercultural Mission. This is week three. Uh, we stepped in on the first week. We took a look at the life of Moses and at that moment when he responded to God. Right? The, the, the burning bush was, was lit, and, and it's noted in Scripture that Moses saw it and then went towards it. And God noticed when he responded. And so I want to encourage you today, if you're here, maybe this is your first Sunday with us. Listen, we believe that God is illuminating people in your lives, that he's going to open doors in your life. And it's, more, it's, it's even more important than actually engaging in conversation or walking through that door. That moment when you recognize that God is at work, he recognizes your recognition. Like, what a God right? That, like, that's the moment of honor. Like, that's the moment where he says yes. So good. Okay, so countercultural mission. Last week, uh, Pastor Barry was here. He's actually in uh, Canada uh, this week. God bless Pastor Barry and Joyce. We love you guys. And uh, yeah, right? Woo-woo. And uh, last week, we talked about and gently exposed something um, that is often said but isn't truthful. This idea, this question, Pastor Jay delivered this amazing message in Canada last week. If you haven't heard it, I encourage you to go and have a listen, uh, where he just address two questions. You know, how can a loving God send people to hell? What's going on there? And how can someone who's seen God, how could they ever choose not to follow him? And we dove into how, listen, the, the, the reality of being a Christian is not that simple, right? There's complexities that are taking place, and God is in the middle of it all. So I encourage you to go and have a listen to those messages in the two weeks past. This week, we want to clear up a central misunderstanding, and by doing so, our goal this morning is to provide hope for each person here, and also that to be reminded that we all share one mission collectively, but none of us will do it perfectly. We all share one mission collectively, but none of us will do it perfectly. We're going to center in on the, on the life of David, but before we do, let's just remind ourselves as we do each week of our central focus. So, countercultural mission is each Christ follower serving as a faithful presence by trusting in God's power and living differently from cultural norms. Countercultural mission is each Christ follower serving as a faithful presence by trusting in God's power and living differently from cultural norms. We're going to focus on the life of King David today. And we're going to go through one of his great victories and also one of his great defeats. We're going to focus on the story of Goliath, which many of you have probably heard before, and also on the story of Bathsheba and how God worked in the midst of even that. Why we need to do this is because one of the misconceptions that we have in in Christianity today is that in some way, somehow, there's this expectation that Christians are supposed to be perfect. Have you ever had somebody tell you that before? I can literally hear it in my head right now. But Mitch, you're a Christian. You can't take the extra popsicle. What are you doing? Like, split it. Share it. How dare you, right? Like, what is, what's going on there? There is that understanding, that misconception that Christians are supposed to be perfect. And in the life of David, we have this moment where there's this misconception of how can an adulterer and murderer be characterized by God like this? See, in Acts 13, Paul says this of David. He, being God, raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. But how can God say that if David was also going to mess up? Let's pray. 
God, we welcome you into this space this morning. Holy Spirit, we are so excited that you're here with us. God, I pray this morning that it wouldn't be my words, but yours, Lord Jesus, that you would pierce hearts today, Lord God, that you would open ears, Lord Jesus, that, Lord, that you would have our eyes see beyond the physical into the spiritual this morning, Lord Jesus. God, I pray that we would be bold this morning to go where it is that you're calling us to go. God, I pray that we would have just moments of, of redemption and forgiveness in this room this morning, Lord, that we would better understand what it truly means to stand on your behalf. God, move in this room. God, move in life, kids. God, move in with our junior highs this morning. Holy Spirit, we ask across this campus that you would be God in this place. If any of us have mistakenly placed ourselves in that position, God, we relinquish that seat today and place you back where you rightfully belong at the head of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. So we're gonna dive into the life of David. Let's start with the good stuff though, right? Where are my people that you're like, good news, bad news? Where are my good news first people? You're like, I just need some, where are my bad news first people? Where are the, okay, I was like, that's not a lot of hands. All right, well this morning, good news people were going first. The bad news people, I see you. You're like, give me the bad news so I can cheer up after. Okay, I see you, I see you, I see you. All right, so we're gonna start in the good news of David's story. We're gonna start with David in one of his victories. We're going to start it with David in one of his moments where we're like, wow, look at this person standing on behalf of God. In Acts 13, 22, as we read, Paul says this is what God said of David, that he is a man after God's own heart. He does not say that David is a man with God's heart. He says, God, David is a man after God's own heart, but David is not the man with God's heart. There was only one in the history of creation who has had and lived and breathed on this earth who has had the full heart of God, and his name is Jesus. Jesus is our perfection personified. Come on. Jesus is our example. He is the one that we run to. Now, David was just a man. His example can be learned from but we do not set him in the same place as Jesus, amen? Jesus was the man with God's heart. David is a man after God's heart. This is important because imperfectly, but always eventually, David kept shifting towards God. Let's take a look this morning. In 1 Samuel 17, we'll see the story of David approaching his Goliath, of approaching his giant, this man, this Philistine named Goliath. Now, when David comes onto the scene in 1 Samuel 17, he's been sent by his father, Jesse, to go and visit his brothers who have already been at war uh, uh, fighting for Israel. And as David comes onto the scene, he's got like this cart that he's pulling. And it's full of meat and like, like probably some sheeps in there and stuff, some cheeses, like some great stuff in there. And David walks onto the battlefield and he sees this monstrous man named Goliath just yelling profanities and curses, but not just at the warriors that are positioned on Israel's side. Goliath is actually so bold to take it to another level. He's actually yelling curses and profanities towards their God. And this just, oh, just fires David up. He, he gets so upset, not at the, the cowardness of the people who are being shunned by this, by this giant, but what gets him really fired up is no one gets to say that about my God. Why is nobody stepping in? Why is nobody defined? Listen, you don't want to defend your own honor, that's fine. But who is going to defend the honor of our God? 
And David steps into this moment. He starts having this conversation with his brothers and his brothers immediately say, David, you're just a kid. Like you're just young, relaxed. Like you've come here with the food to feed the army, right? And the rest of the warriors are like, exactly. You're just a shepherd, calm down. Feed the army, let us be the army. But David's courage and, and, and his, his just shock at what it is that's going on here, not only does he come before his brothers, not only does he come before the other soldiers, but there's such a, a fire lit in David that he's actually brought before the king. And King Saul hears what it is that David is saying, and no one else seems this upset. No one else has come to the king and said, send me. So the king doesn't want to go. So he looks to David and says, okay, take my armor. There's three things to, to, to kind of take away there. Number one, for all my youth and young people in this room today, your age does not define your capability for what God wants to do in your life. I still believe, and I believe this, and, and I, I'm so thankful that God has, has allowed us to stay in Ottawa. I believe that we are going to see an entire high school saved in the name of Jesus. I believe that. I believe that. But for any of you that know anything about high school, it's very difficult to get in, but uh, little do they know, we get to send our spies every single day. And so youth and, 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 and whether you're in grade four or five, whatever it is, when you walk in, walk in in the name of Jesus. The moment you step into that school, it is holy ground. And so age does, not, age does not qualify what it is that God wants to do. That is not a qualifier. What it is a qualifier is exactly what we're going to talk about today. Where is it that you find your confidence? Second thing, don't let other people label who it is that you are. Hello. Hello. Listen, these soldiers look at David and say, listen, you're just a shepherd. But if they were there just a couple chapters before, what they would realize is that even though somebody was sitting in the tent of the king, the king was actually standing before them. David has already been anointed. He has already been spiritually positioned as king over Israel. Physically, they don't see it yet. But listen, we don't serve the God who only works with what we can see physically. If God has spoken spiritually, it's already done. I just want to speak that over somebody today that maybe God has given you a dream and because you haven't seen it manifest yet spiritually, you've allowed it to die. If he spoke it, it is already done. Do not let other people step in and step on the dreams that God has placed on you. Do not allow them to tell you who you are. You are no one except a son and daughter of the living God. And through that, you can do all things. The third thing is this. Saul tried to give David his armor, but in this story, and in our story, it is not the armor of somebody else that you need, it is only the armor of God. And so David steps in, and we can easily say, okay, we know that David is courageous, but there's something deeper going on here than just being courageous. Church, we want you to be courageous on behalf of the God who sends you, but how do you, how do you well up and get that courage? Well, I believe there's something in David's story that we can unlock today in the good and the bad that will allow you to step into a position of courage. Because it's not courage that exclusively makes David someone after God's heart. It's something deeper. Let's read it together. In 1 Samuel 17, 34 to 37, it says this. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear 
and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. Those who are after God's own heart, it is not courage that defines them, it is this. Those who are after God's own heart have the utmost confidence in God himself. Come on. It's not the courage that, 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 that we're looking for today. It's, it's that deeper, inner part of our being. And those who are after God's own heart, they have the utmost confidence in God himself. David knew. Something that nobody else understood is that as he took the battlefield against the, against the giant, it was not David who was standing there, but it was God using David as the vessel. See, the king was worried about what it was that he was going to be able, like, he didn't have the courage to step in there. Why? Because the King Saul, we know in the story, he was only motivated for himself. David was able to step into the battlefield because it, himself was not the motivation. Come on. His motivation was to honor the God that he serves. Church, Maybe there's a situation right now that God hasn't given you the ability to step in in full courage because he knows that you would take too much of the praise and the worship. Maybe God is still preparing that place for you because we serve a God who loves you immensely, who even in your moments of weakness says, they belong to me, I love them, I am still gonna send them, but I am gonna position them and move them when I will receive all the praise and the glory. Because praise and the glory is not due to us, hello? There is only one who can truly receive it and do well with it. There is only one who can truly receive it and do well with it, and that's our God. If we try to take what it is that's his, it it just will turn to like ash in our mouth. See, David has a confidence in who God is, a confidence that leads him to write 73 of the 150 Psalms that we find in the Bible. They express vast emotion and trust in God. Like David, having a heart after God requires us to place our confidence in him and in God's word. Now, this may be easy to do in victory, right? The good news. But what about defeat? What about when things go wrong and failure steps in? In 2 Samuel, we see a story as David is in his palace and he looks out his window and and he's tempted by Bathsheba. Unbeknownst to her, as she's just going about her day, David is tempted with adultery. And not only adultery, but murder. And in this moment, David is not nearly as courageous. Instead of standing in that moment in full confidence of the God that we clearly saw in the battlefield, in this battlefield, David stands in his own confidence. His courage is no longer in where, where the worship and the glory will be found in God, but instead David chooses this for himself, and he sins. Not only does he sin, he covers his sin. In this moment, his heart is nothing like God the Father's. But our God loves us. Our God loves us enough 
not to leave our sin in the dark. Come on. Our God loves us enough not to leave our sin in the dark. See, if sin is left in the dark, it can't fully be healed. If sin is left in the dark, what will happen is the enemy will use that foothold, the enemy will use that secrecy, and what he'll try to do is he'll try to allow that sin to grow, not just as something that you did, but something that you are. Come on. If God is not given permission to speak life into that moment of sin, if he is not given permission to make that unholy space holy again, then does he truly love us? So here in the story of David, as God just loves to do, I'm sure God was speaking to David. David's like, I'm good, God. And he's like, all right, I'm going to speak to somebody else. You ever had someone read your mail before? Woo, okay. So... Second Samuel 12, verses 1, and the Lord sent Nathan the prophet to David. Nathan the prophet steps in, again, not just with courage, but with a confidence of who it is that sent him. Imagine standing before the king about to deliver the message that you're about to deliver. We know that God's relationship with David is very strong. God has been speaking to David. David doesn't want to hear this message. And now Nathan has been sent. Nathan begins to describe this parable of injustice. And as he describes this parable in this story, David is so incensed that he screams and yells and he says, Nathan, tell me the name of this person. Point me in the direction because this injustice deserves only one thing and it is death. Second Samuel 12, 9, Nathan says, why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and have taken his wife to be your wife and you have killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. And in this moment, David finds a courage that has nothing to do with the glory that it will bring to him, but instead David finds the courage that is found only in the confidence of his God. As David hears these things, he responds to Nathan, 2 Samuel 12, 13. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And David displays the same trusted confidence in God when he was face to face with the giant as he does now as Nathan is calling out the sin in his own life. Church, I want to encourage you today that there is freedom in this room. There is an opportunity for courage to grow in this place. There is an opportunity for us when we go home to step out on our rooftops and start singing the praises in the name of the Lord. But the only way that we're going to be able to step into these different avenues and do what it is that God has called us to do is if we first understand that it all comes from confidence in God. See, David has the courage to stand in front of the giant on behalf of God, but now he has the courage to stand in front of his God and step into a moment where true freedom exists, and that's in repentance. A moment where true freedom exists, and that's in repentance. See, repentance is twofold. Repentance is looking at the sin in your life, the mistakes that you've made, and saying, oof, yeah, I did that. And confessing it with your mouth. Not hiding it away, 
as something that will never have to be dealt with. No, God wants us to be pure and holy as he is holy. So repentance first comes by saying, yes, that was me. I fell short. I did that. In the first, uh, in the first message today at the nine o'clock service, as I was saying this, God put it on my heart. I had two lovely ladies pray for me at the end of service, uh, Edith and, and Angela. And, and, and in this moment, God was speaking to me just like with your kids. And I was like, oh. See, there's a, there's a confidence and a repentance that comes in, in my own life I, as I was saying this and thinking about these moments where, you know, I'm stepping into this role of dad in front of my kids and there's an opportunity for me to also to show them that dad can be soft and there will be times where dad also needs forgiveness. And one of the things that God challenged me on this morning was to be able to stand in repentance before my God and my sons when I've made a mistake as the father. So where is it that God is calling you to repent? Because sometimes in the midst of that repentance, it will mean that you have to go and confide or confront or ask for forgiveness from someone that you've affected. And so David is bold enough in in this moment to confess, and he says, listen, I have sinned, but not only does he confess in front of Nathan, but he then moves into this amazing part of repentance, which is the turning away from that sin. It's saying, listen, God, I did this, but I don't want that to be who I am. Hello? Listen, there's one thing when it comes to sin and the mistakes. Listen, we are all going to make mistakes. But it's the habitual mistakes that will begin to define who you are. And when we are standing on behalf of Christ, we cannot let that be our testimony. This must be a place where addictions come to die. Come on. This must be a place where we stand together and say, hey, whatever, whatever it is that you're dealing with, whether it's emotional health issues or mental health issues, we can believe together and we can stand together because you are not depressed, you're just affected by depression. Come on, there's a difference. There's a difference between claiming that thing on your life and instead saying, this is something that God is still leading me through. There's a difference. See, David in this moment, as he identifies that this is what he's done, he cannot allow it to become who he is. Yes, he did wrong. Wicked in the eyes of the Lord. But if he is going to be a man after God's own heart, if you are going to be a woman after God's own heart, you cannot allow it to become who you are. Maybe what you did, but repent. Acknowledge turn from so it's not who you are. Because the enemy so desperately wants us to claim that on our lives, right? Right? That we would diminish the, king, the kingship that we have on our lives. Come on. Who are you really? You're royalty. That's who you are. Princes and princes in the name of Jesus. That's who you are. You are saved and set apart by the blood of Jesus. That's who you are. You are free and free indeed. That's who you are. So yes, you may fall short, but run quickly back to the feet of Jesus. Let's read together how desperately David is, is, is articulate in, in his heart's desire to say, God, this is not who you've created me to be. This is not the position that you've called me into. God, there's something else. There is something greater, and it's you. 
Psalms 32 and 51. I'm going to read them in full today, and I want to encourage you if you have a notepad or a phone or whatever it may be, or maybe you just need to close your eyes and, and center yourself in the words today. Whatever, whatever position you need to place yourself in to hear from the Holy Spirit, I challenge you to do that today as I read this scripture, that God would speak in this moment to precisely what it is that he needs you to hear today. Psalms 32 says this. Come on, David. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away though my, through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of the summer. Selah. Pause. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Selah. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time where they may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from my trouble. You surround me with the shouts of deliverance. Selah. It's this powerful moment here in, in, in Psalm 32 that I really only heard this morning as I was reading it out loud. An encouragement for you also, as you are repenting of the things that God has called you to repentance to, it is also a good choice to allow God to speak life over your situation. Listen to this. Daniel, or David uh, changes the, the, the primary voice here to God's. He says this, Selah, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curved by bit and bridle, or it will stray near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but the steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Watch, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and only you have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in, in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach your transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. In Jesus' name. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise, for you will not delight in sacrifice, or would I give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. 
a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the right sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bowls will be offered on your altar. What is it that God is speaking to you today? Where is it that the Holy Spirit is illuminating in your own life to say, hey, be courageous and confident in those moments of victory, but in those moments of defeat, you can also be courageous and confident in the one who strengthens you. See, it's easy to pull out the courage in the story of Goliath. It's easy to pull out the courage in the story of God. No one else is stepping in there. No one else is stepping in there with a sling and a stone. They got swords and spears and armors and probably really cool like feathers on their helmet. Like so cool. (laughs) But no one else is stepping in there except for this young kid. It's easy to look at David and say, wow, that's so courageous. But can I challenge you today? I'm more impressed by those who step courageously in front of God in secret. I say, God, no one may ever see this, but you know what I did. You know what was done. And right here in this place, God, we need to make it right. As David say in, in, in verse 32, he says, listen, I've been trying to do it on my own and your hand has been heavy upon me and my own, my bones and everything has been weak. But now that I'm confessing, he feels that sense, that return of relationship with Christ. Church, let us not allow anything to stand in the middle of our relationship with Christ. There's a courage and that confidence of being able to approach the throne room and say, God, I have done wrong. God, I have made a mistake. God, I am not perfect. There's a confidence that is able to to be just filled in our lives there where God reminds us, I didn't call you to be. I never asked you to be perfect. I sent my son. I sent my son so that in moments like this, he could stand in your stead. Beloved, I want to tell you today that our, our Savior, God, our Savior, his name is Jesus, he still stands at the throne. And every day, he talks to the Father about us. That's our God. That's our God. See, David is given this amazing wisdom in, in this psalm where he, he's given wisdom not only beyond his years, but beyond his age. The age in which God had appointed him king. See, at that time, it was sacrifices that paid for sin. But in Psalm 51, David understands there's something deeper going on here. You see, a bull or, or a lamb or a sheep, it's not enough. God wants a repentant heart. God wants a repentant heart. See, as David acknowledges this and goes through it, it still would have needed to be sealed with a bull. And then the next year, sealed again and again and again and again because the blood that was poured out from these animals, though it was unblemished, it wasn't enough. And we see that all throughout the Israelites' history. The sins of the people have to be paid by the blood of these animals because there is no one else to stand in the gap. But for us, just as David was given insight in so many of his psalms, we have 
Jesus. Mm. Some of y'all, this is hitting deep, I know, but you missed that. Church, we have Jesus. What does Pastor Jay do? Right? Right? Come on. Come on. Come on. Love that. Love that. Love that. Listen, we have Jesus. And because of him, because of him, our transgressions can be forgiven. Because of him, we can take off the old and put on the new. Because of him, these old wineskins can be made whole so that he can continue to fill us up. One of the things that I love about David is that even in the midst of his failure, because of his heart, because of his repentant attitude, because of where his confidence is found, God never changes the assignment and the anointing that he put on him. That's what made David different. As you go through the rest of the Old Testament, you'll see that there were good kings and there were wicked kings. And a lot of the wicked kings were just fine in their wickedness. David made a mistake, a moment that many will look at and say, wow, that's pretty bad. It is. But because of David's heart, because it was geared towards God, because it was willing to step back and say, oh God, I stepped into this for myself and that's not who I want to be. God, I want to do it all for you. Because of that, God still, even in Acts, Paul reminds them David was one after God's own heart. And church, that can be us today. Be countercultural in this world means that we also may be challenged to forgive to forgive some people that we don't want to forgive. I believe that God is calling our church, Life Center, Canada, Orleans, Cornwall, wherever else it is that God takes us. I believe that God is challenging us to live this out to bring it back to the forefront, for this to be a place where people come and are set free in Jesus' name. And we don't hold over who they were before they met Jesus. Instead, we push them forward into who it is that they found in him. Where we don't lean on the things and the past hurts, but instead we remember that we have been forgiven much and so that we also must engage in that forgiveness as well. That we are not a church that sits and dwells on, on, on shortcomings or that we invest in moments where we can divide the church, but instead we say, listen, like I tell our Kanata people all the time, this is just a room full of strugglers. But God, come on. But God makes us more than overcomers. What does he make us? He makes us victorious in him. David was able to have victory on the battlefield. David was also able to have victory alone in his room as he penned these psalms. God, let us do the same. Let us be able to stand confidently in front of those who would say anything about our God that isn't true. But let us also be able to stand comf confidently in front of our God who we know that we know that we know he loves us. He wants life for us. And so I don't know what it is that you're here and, and, and God is highlighting in your life. I doubt very, very, very much that you're a... Uh, uh, a person who's sending a warrior to the front line so that you can then marry their wife? If you are, let's talk after. 
But wherever it is that God is challenging you and illuminating in your life today, remember that he has already paid the price. And we want to step into that moment of freedom. See, some people trust in... Some people trust in money, success, position. Some people trust in other things that they have achieved. But I trust in... Come on. Some people trust in, but I trust in the cross. Trust in the cross. I trust in Jesus. I trust in he who is greater than the one who stands on the stage today. I trust in the one who will be with my kids. I trust in the one who will continue to grow his church. I trust in the one who will bring the prodigals home. I trust in the one who will break addiction today. I trust in the one who will look and say, hey, look at this marriage, I can heal it. I trust in the one who says, hey, I know what they've said about you, but I'm speaking something fresh. I'm speaking new life. I trust in the one who will allow us as Life Center to step into whatever it is that he calls us into, not so that people would know our name, but so that people would know him. That his kingdom would be built in our city, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our homes, and in our hearts. That his kingdom would grow here, today. So I'm gonna close in prayer today before I turn it over to Kofi. What an awesome guy. Oh my gosh. That was free, Kofi. That was free. I'm going to close in prayer today, but I want to challenge you to be honest with God today. What is it that he is asking you to build confidence in him so that you can courageously step into that place that you need to step into? That we would be a people of repentance. That we wouldn't say, oh, that was just one small thing. No, if it doesn't look like God, I don't want to look like that. Right? And so that we can step just like David did, confidently before our giants, before our Goliaths, knowing that we're not like Saul looking to take all the honor and all the praise for ourselves, but instead we step into those moments confidently knowing that all praise and all glory goes where it rightfully deserves, the foot of the cross and in front of our king. Can I pray for you today? God, I thank you so much for who you are. God, I thank you for your word. Man, it is so powerful. God, there are so many things in this story and, and even as, as, as we've been journeying through it, that God, you just continue to speak. So Lord, speak over this room today. Speak over all of our online uh, Life Center family. God, I pray that you would challenge us to go deeper in our relationship with you. God, that we wouldn't look like the world, Lord Jesus, who uh, just dismissed these things, but instead, God, we would desperately want to look like you for a world that doesn't know you yet. And so, God, I pray that repentance would just be released all across this room. God, I pray for relationships this morning to be mended. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that there would be addictions, Lord God, in this room that we'd be broken in Jesus' name where the, the desire for those things would just be like ash in our mouths, God, as we replace that with a desire for you. God, if there are areas where we actually need to go to one another and ask forgiveness, maybe we'd be quick to do that. Not relying on the response that, that is given, but instead relying on the response that comes from you. God, there is a courage that comes through obedience. 
And so God, I just release your freedom all over this room today, God. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do what only you can do. And God, I pray that you would give us not just the courage today, but the confidence that we can step into these situations, that we can be on counter-cultural mission through repentance in the name of Jesus. And we ask that today in your holy name. Amen.